Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Ooh, that is salty. <laughs> my, my tone? Oh, yes, yes, their tone. <laughs> and the chicks. <laughs> we are in the uh, back patio of a pretty cool taco restaurant in Portland called Por Que No, which means why not in Spanish if you didn't know that. Why not? My name is Rajiv Nathan. His name is Martin. Why not? McGovern. <laughs> we are the founders of Idea Lemon, and this is the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Podcast. We are on an epic six-week road trip, in case you didn't know already, and right now we are in the great state of Oregon, in the great city of Portland, and we are podcasting along the way as we take this road trip. This episode we bring to you today is with Sean Ogle, who's the founder of Location Rebel and Location 180 and Breaking80.com. Sean's a really cool dude. He's helping people. One. He's helping people build businesses that allow them to live wherever they want in the world. He's done that himself. He's doing some really cool work as well as an avid golfer. He's trying to play the top hundred courses in the world. So he's got a site dedicated to golfing called Breaking80.com. We had a really cool sit-down with him on his back patio of his lovely homestead, and our conversation was... What was our conversation about? <laughs> we talked about... See, this is what happens when you do an intro two days after you actually do the yeah, podcast. It was... Uh, so we're partnering up with... Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> it's how do you plan for the unexpected. Mm. There you go. Look at that. This is a live intro. We didn't plan it, and the unexpected happened. We forgot what we were to, what the podcast episode was about. Anyways, Sean Ogle, that. awesome conversation we had with him about how do you plan for the unexpected. Really cool stuff, so listen into that. But before we take you to that conversation, we want to let you guys know that our road trip and this podcast is in partnership with the kick-ass travel community, Under 30 Experiences. If you don't know them, get some knowledge in your brain, son or daughter, and look up under30experiences.com. They take young people, like-minded young people, I should say, all around the world on trips, and they make it really affordable to go places like Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Iceland, Ireland, Bali, Belize, Peru, Brazil. I think there's a couple others. Lots of cool trips they have. And because we're in partnership with them, they've been really cool to us, and they've tossed our listeners, a.k.a. you, a promo code for $100 off your next trip booking. So when you go to under30experiences.com and you find that trip that you want to take, because I know the travel bug's hitting you as we're on this road trip, and you see all the cool places people are going on Instagram, enter the promo code IDEALEMON, all one word, IDEALEMON at under30experiences.com for $100 off your booking. All right, enough of us flapping our gums. Anything else you want to add? We need more chips. We need more chips because we're eating tacos right now. This is our conversation. Listen in with Sean Ogle of Location Rebel and Location 180 talking how do you plan for the unexpected. Boom, boom, boom. We'll catch you after the show. When I left my job or lost my job, however you want to look at it, that was very unexpected. So that's kind of what kicked off like this whole thing was this unexpected circumstance. And there was another time where I was in Bali on a motorbike and I was trying to get to a certain place and it was in the middle of the island at a boom. And it should have been like an hour drive, 45 minute drive. And two hours into it, I saw the ocean. And I was like, 
was not expecting that. And it ended up being this just like full day adventure because I couldn't read the signs and then go around and start asking everybody. It was like, ended up being one of the best travel days I've had because of this huge unexpected adventure. Yeah. So that's a case where it went like really well, right? Yeah. Which I think, I think that actually happens more often than not is the unexpected ends up turning out. Oh, I think the, the unexpected more often than not ends up being an asset. That is if you have the right mindset about it. I know, especially my family, because I have four brothers, and so it's a big family. So anytime we go on vacation, the unexpected is the last thing you want to happen with four brothers and, like, all the craziness. And I'm sure my mom has had her fair share of, of interesting stories from when we were kids. But I definitely think that there's a mindset that goes into dealing with the unexpected. Um, we were kind of talking about this today as we were leaving Seattle, and we didn't go see the Space Needle. I'm like, you know, if, if one of us were the type of person who really wanted to, like, no, we have to do something in each city, or I need to see this thing, and then it doesn't happen. That's the unexpected. It would totally ruin that person's day. Like, have you ever traveled with someone who, yes. if they don't <laughs> see, if they don't do that one thing, it ruins the whole trip? Oh, 100%. It's like, it's the person that, like, they're like, I gotta go hit all the postcard spots. Like, if I go to Paris and I don't go to the Eiffel Tower, maybe that's a bad example, because anybody that goes to Paris does go to the Eiffel right. Tower. It's like, you know, it's like, if I go to New York and... You know, I don't see the Statue of Liberty. It's like my whole trip right. is ruined. It's like I've been in New York like ten times now, and I've never seen this. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny because when I was in New York last uh, last year, which was the second time I had been there, it also been the year before for like five days, and last year I was there for like two or three. I remember at one point being like, you know, I have not even like caught a whiff of the Statue of Liberty. I don't even know where to look, what direction to look. At. Seriously, it's <laughs> like I feel like I should go look at this thing, or maybe like go out there, but. Frankly, I don't really care that yeah. much, and all the other stuff I'm doing is way more I'm interesting I'm already in anyway. this country. The whole it's, point of the Statue of Liberty was to welcome people to the country. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you go toward the water? Yeah. No, but even then, like, <laughs> just, no, it's it's not, you go to the water, <laughs> yeah, it's still not exactly. there. It's not as visible as you'd think it would no, be, because it's, yeah, it's, it's on, it's I don't even island. know which, oh, Ellis Island, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, New York's big. New York's big. It's also surrounded by water. <laughs> <laughs> the mindset thing is huge, though. So, okay, so you mentioned whether you, you said you left your job or whether you lost your job, however you want to look at it. How do you look at it? How do you look at it? So basically what ended up happening was, uh, you know, I was financial analyst. So started in July of 2007, we're at the top of the market. Um, in February of 09, market had essentially crashed. We're in a huge recession. I worked for a small company uh, that was based on, you know, assets under management. So assets were down. So, you know, the revenue was down. My boss came to me one day and he said, Sean, if you can think of a creative way to save the company money, I want to hear about it. So I came up with this big elaborate plan where I told him I'd take a 50% pay cut if they let me work remotely from Hawaii for three months. Huh. And my best friend was living there. It would give me the adventure I wanted. It would open us up to a new client base. It'd make the company more secure because we'd have to figure out how to make this whole remote work thing work, which would allow him to travel. And... I gave them this proposal, and they thought about it for a month. We had subsequent meetings, talked about how it could work, and I really thought this was going to go through. And basically what ended up happening was my boss called me into his office, and he said, Sean, we're, uh, we're not going to accept your proposal, but we will accept this as your resignation. <laughs> and so I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to be creative here. Like, I'm trying to, like, you know, help save the company money, win-win situation. You know, basically what happened was our quarterly reports were due like a week before this, and I did the quarterly report. So they waited till those were done, and then oh, they told God. me. And um, 
so we went back and forth and I was like, hey, I wasn't planning on resigning. I was just trying to, you know, come up with, you know, win-win scenario here. And, you know, we went back and forth and I, I could have saved my job. You know, I had the door open. I could have stayed if I really wanted to. Um, but at that point, I was basically like, look, if I'm being treated this way, like there's never going to be a perfect time. So now's the time to leave. So it was kind of like a, a, a forced quit or it was like, you know, they brought it up. But then I was the one that kind of carried it through the finish line. Nice. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of a unique situation. Yeah. Well, that's kind of part of that is similar to when I left my job. I kind of did it by accident. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I had gotten like burned out to the point where I like, I just like wasn't really doing much anymore, and I had like my weekly one-on-one phone call with my boss. Maybe it would have been different if it was in person, but she was traveling that week. Yeah. And so I worked in sales, and she's like, "So, um, what's your pipeline looking like this month?" And I was like, "Empty." <laughs> and she's like, "Okay, um, what?" do you think like what from your past things do you think is going to close and I was like um, don't think any of them yeah <laughs> what meetings do you have lined up for this week and I was like eh, none, none of those either <laughs> and you know what I think I'm kind of just like done <laughs> and like that's like how I said it I'm pretty sure yeah and she's like done like done done or <laughs> I was like yeah I just don't know if I can do this anymore and then ended up having ended up having a really constructive conversation out of it, where she was like, "All right, take a week, make sure it's what you want. Yeah, let me know how I can." She was really awesome. Like she was, she asked me, she's like, "References, let me know if you need them. Let me know who I can introduce you to." Just well, that's cool because not everybody's like that. Right. My, yeah. my scenario wasn't quite that friendly. <laughs> right. But I think what made it such an easier decision, or something that. Because I don't think everyone could just stumble into accidentally quitting. Yeah. You know, it had been on my mind for a little while, but I think with most people, it's like you go in, you're like, today's the day I'm going to quit. That day was actually my birthday, and I was just like, well, I'm just, it's my birthday today, and there you go. Oh, well I guess do I quit on my myself birthday. Here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's my own birthday present. But I think what made it uh, an easier decision, uh, or something that I was able to stumble into, was that I had this thing in the background, an ideal of it, at yeah. the same time. So even though at that time we weren't doing a whole lot with our business, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, well, like, okay, even if I'm quote-unquote unemployed, I still have that I can work on and keep me occupied and use that to open up new opportunities and all that stuff. Well, and I think that's that's a key component to, for anyone that's thinking about quitting their job, you know, to do something entrepreneurial. It's like, if you have something already in the pipeline, you're going to be much better off than if you're just like, all right, I'm going to quit my job, time to start the business now. It's like, for me, I started uh, Location 180 in May of 2009, and I didn't leave until October of 2009. So I didn't really have a business. Like, I had the blog, but I was, you know, I had the beginnings of one. You know, I was making a little bit of money through the site. I was building up my audience. Um, If I didn't have that, then I'd have no direction. Um, You know, my original plan was just to go travel with my buddy who was living in Hawaii, and he was getting ready to start his world trip in that January. So that was kind of the deadline I did initially give myself. And I was just going to go travel till the money ran out and then get another job. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, uh, some things happened and I was able to kind of start this business. And right. I think a big part of the reason it was successful is because I already had, you know, a little bit of progress before I left. Well, and even same with me. Like, I didn't quit thinking, all right, now it's all in on ideal. I, mean, I quit just being like, I need to step away and figure out what do I want to do next. Yeah. And I did go on some interviews at the beginning of this year and I very quickly was like, I actually, I actually really think I subconsciously sabotaged myself yeah. on a couple of interviews because I very quickly found out, like, I don't want to work for someone else. 
I guess I can't say forever because I don't know forever, but at least for a long time. Yeah. I don't want to work for someone else. And, you know, within like a month and a half, two months, I was like, all right, let's put, I'm going to put the energy into ideal. I'm going to focus on building that. But I actually remember in early January thinking like, thinking I was going to get a job offer from a company and that did not pan out. But I mean, I think I remember telling you, I was like, oh, whatever, there'll be another one that comes along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes into the mindset piece where, um, if you have sort of a mindset where there's only so many opportunities or so much, like you, you kind of said, I'll travel until the money runs out. Right. Yeah. But some people look at that thinking, Oh my God, I only have so much time until the money runs out where you're like, there's a lot of opportunities to do something until I get to that point. And so it really does go back to that mindset piece where if you have a limited mindset instead of the abundant mindset that people talk about, um, it kind of, warps everything that you're trying to do and all the different ways that you can react to these situations. Well, and I think that your frame of mind is so important. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, the unknown here. Um, on a slight spin of that, one of the things I realized really early on is this concept of uncertainty. And there's three phases of uncertainty that I've kind of realized. And the first is fearing it. Um, and that's where... Fearing? Fearing it. Okay. And so, well, to back up a little bit, uncertainty is the only thing anybody's really afraid of. It's the only fear in the world. You know, it's like you're not afraid of spiders. You're afraid of the uncertainty surrounding whether or not that spider's going <laughs> to Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's like you're not afraid of the dark. You're afraid of the uncertainty surrounding what could be lurking around in the shadows. Yeah. So most people look at uncertainty as this thing to be avoided at all costs, this terrible thing. Uh, Tim Ferriss had a quote a while back where he said, most people will choose um, unhappiness over uncertainty. Mm. And... Huh. Uh, they'll stay in just what's kind of a, you know, no, that's so true. an all right life, a comfortable life, an easy life rather than, you know, kind of going after and facing that uncertainty. So the second phase is overcoming the uncertainty. So that's where you're still terrified and you have no idea what's going to happen, but you do it anyway. So for me, uh, after I left my job, I moved to Thailand and that was where I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do something. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm still terrified, but I'm going to do this and, and see where it goes. And then finally... Uh, and this is where most successful entrepreneurs are, is the third stage of uncertainty where you embrace it, where you're saying, I don't know what's going to happen, so I can make anything I want happen. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to a little bit about what you're saying. It's like, you know, it's just that simple mindset shift of uncertainty is something to be avoided at all costs versus something to be seeked out. Because um, if you're in an industry where there's, you know, a lot of uncertainty, that's where the opportunity is usually. So, okay, so the three phases are? Um, fearing it. Fearing. Overcoming it. Embracing it. Fearing Martin, where do you think you are in that spectrum? Uh, interesting question. Um, so I would say, well, it depends on the fear. Yeah. <laughs> Pick a fear, any fear. Pick a fear, any fear. <laughs> uh, I would say, um, so it was fearing it, overcoming it, and embracing, embracing it. Uh, I'm probably in the middle of overcoming it just because it's so fresh. Um, well, what, what fear are we so, finding? So uh, quitting my job uh, about a month ago. Um, it's there's that initial relief of okay now I get to make decisions on my own and figure out what's next and then but we launched so quickly into uh, moving out of apartments and going on a road trip and everything it's all kind of flying at you so fast that I would say I'm in the uh, overcoming it stage until I get to the point where I'm in a better routine and then routine would help me kind of get to the point where um, the next uncertain thing because right now I'm in the middle of the uncertainty 
of where is this going next. The middle of overcoming, or you're saying just in general the middle of the uncertainty? Well, so the whole thing is uncertainty. So yeah. there's the fear, the overcoming. So like we're in the middle of a road trip, traveling around the country, doing all sorts of uncertain things, and each one is so fresh and so new and so different than what I was doing a month and a half ago that I'm in the overcoming. So I look at that as kind of like the day you left your job, that was when you moved from like, you know, fearing it to, you know, overcoming it. You're like, hey, I don't know what's up. We're going to do this, you know, road trip. It's all uncertain. And, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, going with it. And then once you really can like channel it in, it's like, you know, maybe it's next month, maybe it's next year where you're like, all right, like, I love this. Like, I don't, you know, know where my paycheck's going to come from or I don't know how I'm going to make money or whatever, but it's like, I'm looking at it as an an opportunity more than anything else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess from that mindset, looking at things as an opportunity, everything we've ever done with this side project has been opportunity focused and that's I think one of my favorite parts about it because when we decided to create it and work on it and looking back and making the decision to leave your job it's like we just looked at all the good things in our life that were happening and all of them were attributed to things we did outside of work yep and it's like all the people that are my best friends all of the good things that have come my way relationship wise or adventure wise have all come from things that I've worked on outside of the office so I need to do more of those things absolutely every day and I like too the and you've mentioned this before Martin the whole like the get to what is it the get to do this versus the have to do this oh yeah 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 there every every day you wake up and you can either look at the day as things you have to get done or things that you get to accomplish yeah and uh, when you wake up and you say, oh, today I get to go running instead of today I have to go running, yep. it changes the whole way that you view your day. Oh, 100%. And it's one of those things, as far as like habit building goes, like you bring up running, which is a, a good thing. So I'm getting married in three weeks. And so I'm like, okay, Woo. I've got to like get some sort of like exercise workout every single day. Like I need up. to fit into this tux. It's like, <laughs> I got to fit into this tux. They have adjustable sides. Now. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually that's a whole nother story. I went to Vietnam and got custom suits made for all my oh, bruises. Awesome. Nice. Um, so that was probably kind of, saved like $4,000. Yeah. yeah. It's like a hundred bucks a piece, you know, it would have been like $600 suits, but that's kind of a whole different. Yeah. My, my brother's tux at his wedding in New Orleans, literally as we're going out there, uh, walking out with the whole crew, his, uh, the buckle broke oh. and we had to paper clip his pants on for the wedding. <laughs> See, that just makes for a good story. Though. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, but that, that's a good example because, you know, I've, you know, I golf a lot, you know, and occasionally like I'll get in like routines where I'll like go run or I'll go you know, to the gym, but very quickly, if I travel or if I hit a stressful period of work or whatever, like I'll get out of that. And now I'm like, you know what? I've got to like, no matter what, this is my non-negotiable thing I have to do. And rather than looking at it, I guess I'm still not there yet, thinking of it as I have to do it versus I get to do it. And so I'm on like day like four or five and I've, I'm slowly noticing it's like, okay, it's like, cool. Like I'm going to take a break. I get to go for a run now. You start enjoying it a little bit more. It's like the first couple days are rough, but then as you start like, you know, making it a habit and seeing the like, you know, you know, I feel better in the afternoons. I have more energy, all of these things. It's kind of like, oh, sweet. Like I get to go do this now. Yeah. And we actually did that yesterday when uh, we were packing up after recording a, a podcast. We were taking a, this was we're in like, Seattle. yeah, in Seattle. And we were like, oh, let's, uh, let's go grab a drink and like decompress after doing this. And then we were, as we were walking in the car, we're like, you know, the whole time during that podcast, we were talking about stepping things up and like 
holding yourself accountable to those things that you get to do, not just have to do. And we're like, all right, let's go do a yoga class because we yeah. get to do yoga <laughs> yeah. today. And it ended up being a way better feeling uh, afterwards because I've never done hot yoga before. Oh. And they turned it up to 110. Yeah. And I, like, literally almost passed out. <laughs> but, but, like, that, because it really just kind of changed my whole, like, head for the day and like that night instead of just being kind of buzzed it, it was a totally different type of buzz absolutely and so yeah it's very cool i didn't wake up with a headache or anything like that no, so now I the question is are, are you going to do hot yoga again or is it one well of we're those... sitting in the hot sun right now and I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I, I warned you before it's <laughs> no, like we got another no, half an hour before the no, sun gets by no it's really no I, i'm definitely going to because uh there was a moment in there where you're just like I wasn't doing the poses anymore because it was too hot. <laughs> it was just way too now hot. Now I'm just, just sitting in a sauna. Yeah, now yeah. I'm just yeah. sitting in a sauna. But even that was better than, like, I don't know, uh, in a... I'm the alternative really sure would have been, like, a few beers and, like, fries and tater tots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I would have had that feeling. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, a few changes, a few positive changes lead to more. So today was a great example. You know, I was telling you about my computer that broke. I had to go downtown, go to the Apple store. And it was around lunchtime. And I was like, okay, well, I can go, you know, get, you know, the fatty burger and fries at the place I like that sounds great right now. Or I can go to, you know, the green smoothie place and get, like, kale and spinach or whatever. And I made the decision to get the smoothie, which I would very rarely do. But it's like now that, you know, it's like I've made breakfast every morning. I've worked out every day. It's like all it takes is, like, one, you know, habit that I get to do and that I get excited about that leads to a snowball of other positive habits and and the same goes the opposite direction if you have the burger you're not going to go for a run afterwards you're going to be like oh i had a burger i'm not going to go for a run well if i'm not going to go for a run i guess i'll have a drink and if i'm going to have a drink then i guess i'll like watch tv for the next few hours like right (laughs) it all does build in each direction it's the chain reaction or snowball as you said it because because even people all ask us a lot of times like you know we're starting to gain some volition with our business and momentum with our business and people will ask, like, like, how do you take it all in? Or some variation of that kind of question. And it's not like we started being like, oh, we're going to go on a six-week... Like, three years ago, we were like, oh, we're going to do a six-week road trip. It was like, no, we just did enough cool things. We were like, I think we're ready to take a six-week road trip, and it's not going to be this totally scary thing. Well, and one of the things I've found is that the more you talk about doing something or joke about it, it's like, yeah, let's go do this or go do this. And if you keep saying it, it yeah. just kind of happens. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what happened with the whole suit thing is, like, you know, we kept joking because I've got a suit guy in Vietnam. It's like, every time I go to Vietnam, so I go <laughs> and I go to the suit guy and I get, like, a, you know, $100 suit. And we kept joking. We're like, yeah, how cool would it be to go get our groomsmen custom suits? And my fiance is an apparel designer. And so she was out in Hong wow, Kong. perfect. <laughs> she was in Hong Kong for work or was going to be. And so she's like, hey, you could, you could come meet me out here and then we could, you know, head down to Vietnam for a week. And I was like... Why not? Why Let's not? do it. And so she measured all my groomsmen, and you know we went there, and it worked out great. So, but it was only because we kept joking about it for like two years yeah. that it finally was like, oh, let's just make this a thing. And I think that phrase, "Why not?" Especially when it comes to uncertainty and how to go into this unknown, is is the key phrase there. Because any time that you have to sit and justify something or like talk yourself into something, it always ends up being less exciting but if you're just like why not and just see what happens it yeah. always goes a lot more fun I think. well and it's like how when was the last time you said why not and right. something absolutely like terrible happened <laughs> it's like maybe occasionally like things don't go right but usually it's like that's the coolest thing like i've ever had happen like 
you know, or I'd say the only time was when I was water skiing, and I said, "Why not? I'll kick a ski off." Yeah. They were, they were <laughs> and you too, broke your leg, didn't you? No, no, they were too small for my feet because they're my little brother's skis, and now I have arthritis in my thumb. But, to- <laughs> but all the other positive things make up for exactly. that one. But this whole trip, lifetime every, of arthritis. Exactly. <laughs> but this whole trip has been a why not trip, and it's been amazing. Well, it's funny to the the, the why not, and to the point of talking about it and you just kind of like make yourself do it by talking about it so we've been saying for the last couple months now we're going to move to Costa Rica this winter like for the winter months Uh, honestly we've been saying that for two years yeah ish yeah Yeah. but now we've really started to seriously talk about it I mentioned that to someone like a year and a half ago and they peppered me with questions and I was like oh and then I never did it but we kept talking about it but it's we've been talking about a lot more recently and I've noticed like there was a shift at some point in the last month where it went from so we're probably going to do this. Or it went from like... Wouldn't it be cool? It went from months ago to like, wouldn't it be cool? Then to like, maybe we'll do that. Then to recently it was like, yeah, we'll probably. Now it's like we're just telling people, yeah, so we're moving to Costa Rica this winter. Well, and it's amazing what doing that. So, you know, I got this quest from trying to become the youngest person to play the top 100 golf courses in the world. So it's like That's random an awesome thing. quest. And I'd never been to Scotland. And so it was like, man, I'd love to like go take a trip to Scotland. How cool would it be to do like you know 10 rounds of golf in 10 days and road trip around but it's like that's a lot of planning a lot that goes into this and this was you know i'm thinking about this like a month before i was planning to potentially go and i was like well i'm gonna send an email to one of the courses i'm gonna tell them what i'm doing and if they give me a free greens fee then i'll book a plane ticket and i'll t- yeah. do the trip and i wrote to two courses they both said that they would you know give me a comp greens fee so i was like all right, I booked a ticket. It's on. I convinced one of my friends to do it with me. We had like one of the most amazing road trips ever, playing like some of the most historic golf courses did, in the world. Did you play like the British Open course? So, I played courses that have hosted the British Open. Okay. This year it was at St Andrews on the old course, yeah. and it was closed for the two weeks that I was there. Okay. So I played the new course, which is literally like they share fairways um so really i was at st andrews and i saw the course but i didn't get that was the one that i really wanted to play i didn't get to yeah so is this still a quest of yours to play the top one yeah this is actually a relatively new quest so it just started like a year year and a half ago how many have you knocked down so far uh 21 of the top 100 how many are in the u.s uh about half okay and the problem with the ones in the u.s is they're actually much more difficult to play than the ones in australia or the uk because uh the u.s has it's all private courses and you know very very private courses so you've got to know people and luckily through my golf site breaking 80 i've started making some of those connections and been able to get on some pretty cool courses but do you consistently break 80 i've only done it once okay so i consistently broke 100 recently so i was satisfied (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's that's really cool because one of the things we talk about a lot is making excuses for yourself to do things and the second you say you're gonna do something and you start telling people you're gonna do it things start opening up for you and that's the serendipity that comes with having an idea but being flexible with how that idea comes to fruition and I think like we said we're going on a road trip and then people are like oh you should go here you should go here I know someone here I know someone here and suddenly we're like all right now we get to map it according to who we know in different places instead of just saying no these are the cities we're going to and we're not going to change anything well, and I've just kind of found by putting stuff out there the universe kind of conspires in your favor so it's like I left my job and, you know, I hadn't told people I was doing that. So no opportunities had come my way. But once I did leave and I wrote about it on my blog, you know, opportunities started opening up. Um, you know, I work with Chris Gillibo as his affiliate manager. And the day that he found out about my job is when he offered me that position. Um, Dan Andrews of the Tropical MBA, you know, when he was 
first starting his podcast, he didn't have any fans, nobody knew who he was, and he reached out, you know, said, hey, I think what you're doing is great. Why don't you come out to Asia and, uh, you know, work with me? I'll pay your basic living expenses, you work for me part-time, and I'll teach internet marketing. And these are opportunities. <laughs> not, that, not a bad gig. <laughs> yeah, that never would have happened had I not, you know, basically said, hey, I'm putting myself out there, and I'm taking action, and, yeah. you know, seeing what's out there. And that's so, it's something that I wrote about on our blog recently, which is the idea of, uh, actually I use Matt Wilson as an example in, yeah. in the post. You can wait and wait and wait for other people to start doing something and then try to get on board. Or you can say, this is what I'm doing. Like universe, people out there, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Are you with me? Yes or no. Because that's the only way you really start actually doing things you want to do and getting those opportunities is if you just put that flag in the ground or put your foot in the ground and you say, I'm doing this. Who's who's on board with me and who's not? Well, and Matt's got to be the perfect example of that. It's like, you know, I've got this site. I'm running this business. But it's like, I want to travel. Yeah. And, you know, he's just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do this. Who's, who's with me? Right. And now it's turned into this big thing. Right. And, you know, he's doing all the stuff that he wants to do in life. Exactly. So. Same thing with your job, or with you kind of pronouncing "I'm quitting." You, that I don't know if it would have worked out like that if you had, before quitting, been like, "Hey guys, hey everyone, I'm thinking about doing this. Could you help me out?" Like it's not this, it's not it's nearly not the same. Quite the same. It's like sure you you'll get some people that are like you know yeah let's do this whatever but you know you've you've always at some point you've got to back up the talk with action yeah and if you get the reputation for being an action taker so now it's like i've done this enough times right. where if like hey i'm thinking about doing this then things are people are probably going to come out and be like okay i can help you with that but yeah. if you don't have a track record for doing it then you got to kind of prove yourself first be like hey i'm taking an action i'm doing this now let's see where it goes i think that that's really that's a huge part of it because then it's like people are saying oh he or she, he's for real she's for real like that's kind of like the, almost the dividing line is when someone can say, oh, this person's for real because they've actually, whatever the stance is or whatever the action is, once you've actually made that choice and gone through with it, then it's like, because other people are going to hold their own hesitations until you do that too. Like, hey, I could introduce you to someone, but I'm not, but if, if I'm not sure if you're going to actually go through with quitting your job, I don't want to look like an asshole and introduce you to that person that I know. Exactly. So, you know, that's a big part of it. It's like, you've got to be able to vouch for people. And if you want things to kind of conspire in your favor, it's like, you've got to be worthy of other people, you know, helping you. And I think that's a good example of that. I want to go back to, I'm trying to remember earlier in this conversation, how it came up. Um, I think it was something with, something with like, just like voicing what we're talking about. It wasn't this exact example just now, but from like 10 minutes ago. Something with voicing, and it actually is relevant to today and this whole interaction here, is uh, so us being in your house was like an email, like you know whatever you want to call it. Like I was emailing with you, and I was snafu, like, snafu maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm emailing with you, and I'm like, hey, we're probably not gonna have a place to be because we don't even have our own you know Airbnb spot locked down yet. <laughs> um, do you have any suggestions? And you're like, we could maybe do my house, uh, not my preference. But if no other options, we could do my house. Uh, and then I replied, and I was like, hey, we don't have our Airbnb spot. Let's do your house. And then you were like, you replied, and you were like, we can do that. Just want to let you know, though, like, I didn't technically invite you over. <laughs> I was just saying it was a last-case resort. And I was like, totally fair, whatever. I mean, we're here, cool. Yeah. But if if you don't call me out on that, I don't know that I had, like, I need to change my communication approach. Yeah. And... I don't, I, this relates to something we were talking about like 10 minutes ago. I'm trying to remember what. 
but it's kind of this idea of like if if I'm if I, if you're staying reserved about that, I could make the same mistake with someone else, and then this helps me more. That's what it is. This helps me plan for the next time of unexpected occurrence of don't have a loca- of location. I'm gonna be way more cognizant about how I'm phrasing because I didn't mean to be a dick in the email or anything like that. <laughs> you didn't mean to be a dick to me, but now I know. Oh shit! I need to look at this email before I send it and make sure I'm like. Would you mind if we came over that or whatever? Totally. Well, it's one of the things, and I'm sure you guys have learned this as well as you've been doing this and you've been growing your business. It's like, you know, the more success you have, the more people you end up inevitably talking to, the more people, you know, want something from your time, the, you know, the more sacred like your space is or whatever. Totally. And so, you know, it kind of gets to the point where, you know, you just have to start being a little more blunt about things. Yeah. It's like, I found it's like you can dance around in circles. And usually when you do that, when you're trying to be polite, when you're trying not to hurt people's feelings, you're trying not to offend them, you know, that's when you both end up unhappier because of it, because you're like holding this like secret grudge. So you might as well be like, hey, like, you know, that wasn't quite, you know, what I meant or, you know, hey, you know, let's talk this through a little bit more. Um, and I'm generally like, you know, I was voted nicest guy in high school. So I've always been the one that's just (laughs) like, let's just, you know, roll with this, go with the punches, not a huge, you know, confrontation person, but you know, by having a little bit of confrontation, talking about things, usually you're going to have a better result in the end, even if you have yeah. to go through a period of the unknown or the uncertainty yeah. or uncomfortableness to, to get there. Well, and I feel like that too, it keeps, you doing that humbles me. Yeah. Right? And I think, and again, we're not at any sort of crazy success. We have some success so far. We have plenty more to still accomplish. But we're, I, I've, we've mentioned on this road trip, we're, we are getting to the point now where, uh, we're starting to become, I don't know what you want to call it, popular or whatever, or like people are starting to recognize who we are. Yeah. Um, people know our company name or our podcast name or whatever. Um, but at the same time, we're trying very hard to be humble about it. And what's nice is like when we come to someone like you who's more successful than we are with their business, it's like you, you, know, you humble us by being like, we're on one level, but you're not on my level yeah. yet. So, <laughs> well, and that's oh, and I I just love the awareness aspect of it because what we're talking about here is is going into the unknown, and the unknown really is about you know you don't know what's in the dark, you don't know what's yeah. what's behind that that curtain, right? And because you're not aware, that's what's scary. But as soon as someone is blunt with you, and I love when people are blunt, and I think that's what draws me to entrepreneurship is in like, I don't know, the nine to five world or when I was in advertising, everyone's so PC or beats around the bush. Yeah. And you never know where you stand. Like I'd go to um, my one year review and I'd be like, I really don't know what you guys are thinking because I ask you for feedback and you just say, things are great. Yeah. Until the day they're not. And it's like, oh, it just drives me crazy. And so like, I love the bluntness that comes with, um, you know, sending emails to people you don't know and just seeing how they respond yeah. and like, well, it's really beautiful. Yeah, there's all sorts of examples, you know, like, you know, you have your little like pet peeve. So for me, like one of the things, and I used to not ever say anything about this, but I've gotten to the point where it's like, I'm going to say this because for the exact reason you were just mentioning, you know, now you know in the future, but like, I'll get people that want me on their podcast. And so, okay, cool. Do a Skype podcast interview. And when you say podcast, I assume it's going to be audio. So especially if it's early in the morning, I like haven't showered. I'm yeah. in like my boxers, like no shirt on. Yeah. And then you get ready to do it and they turn on the video. And I was like, you didn't tell me it was going to be video. It's yeah. like, so that's one of those things. Someone did a video podcast with you? Oh, it's happened like probably 10 times. Oh, wow. Where it's like, they're like, oh, well, it is a podcast, but I, you know, I figured I'd throw the video on just because, just to have it. And, 
you know. Let's bring out the camera crew. All right, he's yeah. getting punked. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you tell me like beforehand so I can prepare, all good, yeah. no problem. But if like, you know, you're like, yeah, we're doing a podcast. It's going to be here. I go and I look at your site and there's no videos or anything, I assume. Yeah. And then you throw on the video and it's like, whoa, hey. Oh, it's so, that kind of podcast. Oh, it's that <laughs> kind of podcast. <laughs> and so, so now I'll just tell people, I'll be like, hey, like just, you know, heads up in the future. If you're going to do this. You know, let me know beforehand so I can prepare for it, yeah, and so I don't you know, look like <laughs> so I don't look like a complete schmuck or whatever. Yeah, so. and it really, I think that one of the key elements to what we're talking about here is knowing how to communicate both what you're trying to accomplish and um, how you're trying to accomplish it with people. So, like, when you're putting, you you really have to put yourself out there, as you said, to the universe or to people, and let people know what it is you're trying to get done, but also in a way that you know, draws people in. We we know some people who are definitely kind of just shouting without any sort of, uh, I don't even know, platform or audience or reason. Like, yeah. they're just like, this is me, here's my voice. And it's, it's one of those things where they'll ask you for things and ask you for things, and you'll be like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, where, where's, the, where's this going? What's the end result <laughs> you're trying to attain? Exactly. Yeah. And I think... Um, with trying to go into this unknown area, really knowing why you're doing it in the first place, like you with the golf, it's it's yeah. like there's a reason for that. It's it's an intrinsic motivation to see the world and, and experience these things and do something you love. And people can totally get on board because if they love golf, they're I mean your eyes lit up and it's just like <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you can connect with people in a way that really connects with them as well. Well, and I'm I'm the epitome of a lifestyle entrepreneur and. So it's like I build businesses around the lifestyle that I want to live. And that's, you know, one of the things. It's like I got two main things. I got Location Rebels, so I teach people how to build small businesses to allow them to travel, and the golf stuff, which I just really enjoy. And, you know, I found that that's been the absolute most fulfilling thing for me is with Location Rebel. It's like seeing other people, you know, who are in jobs they don't like or they're in situations that they're not happy with, seeing them make that transition. It's like, you know, it's kind of cliche, but it's like, um, the more people I can help get what they want, the more success I'm going to have. Yeah, totally. And kind of taking that attitude has just been the best thing possible because that's like, that's number one. That's my passion, helping these people, you know, attain that. And the golf stuff, it's like, I'm able to do that because I do this other right. thing. Um, and it turns out a lot of people are interested in the golf as well. It's like, am I changing the world? No, but I'm having a cool adventure. I'm seeing a bunch of interesting places and, um, you know. I can. It's well, kind of one of those why not things. Yeah, and I, I love that point because um, if you ever watch Silicon Valley, like mm -hmm. one of the, I think it's the first episode maybe where every single person's like, this is going to change. They're like pitching the VC. It's like, I'm going to create an app that changes the world and like changes yep. the world. Just they kept repeating it in a supercut. And uh, one of the things that when we started doing this, we're like, I don't necessarily think we're going to change the world with our business, but we will definitely change the lives of the people that are closest to us. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's more important. Um, in, in our small kind of view or window or whatever you want to call it of our, our world. So we're, we're definitely making a huge impact in our world. Does yep. that change someone's life in China right now? No. But that's, that's kind of what's important. But also, I mean, everything has to start with something. So for me personally, I had to change my world myself. So I was in a job I was unhappy with, and I went through this period of selfishness where, you know, I had a serious girlfriend you know, we were in Portland, I was wearing a suit and tie, and I said, you know, hey, I got this opportunity to move to Thailand after I left my job, I'm gonna take it. It wasn't wasn't so much of a discussion as it was a, I've gotta figure out my world, because if I'm not happy, I'm not gonna be able to help make other people happy. 
And so for like a year, I focused on just myself and doing the things I wanted, getting my business to the point where, you know, I was happy with it and it was make, making progress. And then, you know, once I got to a certain point, I was like, okay, cool, I love my life. Now I'm able to kind of transition and change the life of, you know, all these other people that are in my world. So it changed her life. You know, it's like by me building a successful business, it's like, oh, you know, now we've got a nice house we can live in and yeah. all these other things. Um, but also it, it expands, you know, it's like my world used to be me and then my world was me and her. And then my world was, you know, my blog readers and then Location yeah. Rebel members. And then it just kind of goes, you know, it scales. Um, so I think even though you might feel like it's like, yeah, we're changing our world right here, you know, five years from now, that could be, you know, many multiples of what it is at the moment. So. Yeah, it's, um, I'm going to bring up Matt Wilson again. It's just going to be like the Matt Wilson plug out. Matt Wilson show. <laughs> What's up, Matt? <laughs> so our first episode we did of this show was with Matt uh, while we were in Belize on one of their under 30 experience trips. And in that episode, one of the things I mentioned was, because we talked about um, things like that are holding you back in life. It was, the question for that episode was, why aren't you doing the things you know you should be doing? Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I brought up at that time was what you're saying right there, this idea that everyone wants to give back, give back, give back, right? But in order to be selfless, you have to first be selfish because then you know what you have to give to the world. Yep. And then you can start to like 10x what you're giving to the world. Absolutely. But unless you take the time to be very selfish first and really hone in on like, what is it that I, because once you figure out what you want, then you know how you can help others via what you want to achieve. Totally. And everyone looks at the word selfish as, it's kind of like the word, you know, uncertainty. Everybody runs away from uncertainty. It's like selfish. Everybody runs away. Nobody wants to be considered selfish. And it wasn't until recently that I can look back and say, oh yeah, I was selfish and that was a good thing right. because my life wouldn't look anything like it does now were it not for that. And a lot of other people's lives wouldn't look anything like it they were if I wasn't selfish. So the world's best fish salesman says, I sell fish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. I had to. <laughs> um, well, and it also goes for the uncertainty piece, because if you are uncertain in yourself, you're definitely going to have a hard time with other uncertainty in the world. So I know back when I didn't, like right after college maybe, I was like, I don't really know what I want from life right now. So every new thing was scary. Yep. And, uh, you know, once you actually get down to like, what are the basics that I need to get to live my life and one of the things I've done in the past year is cut out a lot of things to really get down to the root of what I'm comfortable with and without yep and once you kind of know those things you can sort of say all right I've taken the time to really understand myself and become certain in who I am now if things come my way or things change I'm it's okay because I'm still okay yeah and for sure. the world around me might be changing and fluxing but I'm cool with who I am and what where I sit in this spinning globe well and everybody's going to have their own opinions about what your life should be and what it should look like but if you can get to the point where you're like it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks i know what i want for myself um you know that's when you can kind of move forward with a lot more confidence with what you're doing yeah because... well and know what you don't know too because like one of the things that i've had to kind of deal with recently is every time i go home my my parents asked me like oh well you know we have four sons or I have four brothers five sons and so it's like when it, when is marriage happening for all these different kids that yeah. my mom will ask and when are kids happening she wants grandkids and all this other stuff and it's always been a given in my head that I'd get married and have kids but then just in the past maybe six months I'm like well 
I mean, I, it's still something I'd like, but is it a certainty in my life? Yeah, your is mom it, is going to listen to this and faint. I, I already, <laughs> I already had this conversation with her, so she, uh, she already had to cope. Uh, but, um, but it is one of those things where it's like it's not, it's it's definitely something I want, but is it a certainty yeah. that that's going to be the trajectory of my life? Because up to this point, I've been making decisions based on the fact that I might have kids someday. Yeah, and if I get to you know I don't know fifty and I haven't had kids, why did I make all those decisions? And so it's really taking a step back and saying. There is so much uncertainty that, and I mean, I'm not even in a relationship right now. So to be thinking that far ahead and making decisions today based off of a, basically a story that's in your head is kind of crazy in my mind. So you really need to take a step back and say, where am I actually today? And are these decisions making sense to where I'm at right now? Yeah, for sure. Well, that's such an interesting question. I feel like that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of comes to terms with I mean people in general but like the kids thing is like you know I was the same way my whole life's like yeah certainty I'm always gonna have kids and then you get to the point it's like I just turned 30 this year and it's like oh well I still don't necessarily want kids yet and so you keep yeah. waiting for that time and you're like you know maybe I am still kind of selfish it's like yeah. you know there's certain things that I I want to do and so you know do I think I will have kids someday yes absolutely but it hasn't you know gone along the trajectory that mm-hmm. I was expecting and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially you leave your job, all of a sudden you have this freedom, you're doing cool and interesting things like taking road trips across the country, meeting cool people. Um, you're like, you don't necessarily want to give that up. Right. And not that you have to give it up, but it certainly you know, is um, more difficult or different or, or whatever. Exactly. So you know, I've gone through those same questions in my head. Well, and then you got the movie Idiocracy, where yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like the smart people won't reproduce because they're like, oh, we're putting that off for a few more years, and all the dumb people keep reproducing. Really great scene, anyway. <laughs> um, one of the things you mentioned was the idea of uh, certainty in yourself first before figuring out what else is around you and that kind of stuff. And that reminded me of a couple weeks ago, someone, so we taught a workshop in Chicago a few weeks ago on personal branding and lifestyle design. And one of the people texted me, who took the workshop, texted me the next day asking, um, and we had talked to them about, uh, after the class, they were really like, to the point where like, I think I should quit my job kind of thing. Yeah. And then they texted me and said, so can you tell me like, what justifies quitting your job without having something else lined up? And I showed it to Martin and I go, how do you, how should I respond to this? And then he goes, (laughs) And I actually, I don't think you meant for me to no, actually send no, the response, I just made but I my, did. I gave my response. But it was, I said, if uh, you're asking this question, <laughs> then you're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I just sent that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what it wasn't what you were supposed to do. <laughs> but going back to being blunt and honest, yeah. right? There you go. Yeah. But well, then I got a text later in the day, and I don't know if it was because of my text or not, but then they, they replied and were like, well, I ended up putting in my two weeks. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. We'll see where this goes. But that's, you know, like when people ask, like, oh, how did you quit your job? How did I quit my job? I'm sure people ask you the same thing, Sean. But, like, if, if you're not confident in that decision yourself, A, you're probably never going to actually make the decision. Yeah. But, B, like, you have to get to that point where it is going back to the why not instead of the why, why would I ever do this into the why not? How couldn't I do this? Well, and when people ask me that question, they're like, you know, when should I quit my job? When's the time right? I tell people leave your job when the pain of staying is worse than the pain of leaving. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a bunch of pain. Leave. Like when I left, like that, my last day I came home was sobbing. was just like, what am I doing? This is terrible. Like, this is stupid. And the next day I went to the gym at seven 30 in the morning. That's just usually when I go to work. And I was just like, 
it's like a Wednesday and I'm at the gym at eight in the morning. Like I'm not used to being able to do this. Like I've got freedom, I've got flexibility. You're like, oh, maybe this is gonna be okay. Um, and then you've got, you know, that many extra hours every week to work on the things you wanna work. And that's another question I ask. It's like, hey, it's like you're working on this thing. If you had an extra, what was it, 160 hours a month to work on something for you, do you think you'd be able to, you know, make some money and support yourself with it? And usually the answer is like, yeah, with that much time, like I totally could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of, I think it's so hard to trust yourself is what, is what a lot of it comes yeah. down to, right? Because first question people asked me when I, last year when I said, yeah, I'm quitting my job was, how are you going to make money? What are you going to do to survive? Well, first off, I was not living paycheck to paycheck in the first place. Yeah. So I don't just die the yeah. second I don't have a paycheck <laughs> two weeks out from now. Uh, but second, it's like, do you really think you can't, like, you have no idea how to find a way to support yourself? Like, yeah. Do you really have that little faith in yourself to think, you know what, if I'm thrown in the water, I'm just going to drown? Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally screwed. Like, no one will ever hire me ever again. No yeah. one will ever give me There's money. a gap on my resume. No. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe, and, and I know some people do think like that. Like, they're, you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur either. You can do entrepreneurial like things or yeah. it could even be like tutoring right like you can do plenty of things to support yourself but I think it's a lot of it comes from this reliance for so long that someone else has just been putting it out there and taking care of it for you yeah and it's just the story you're told your entire life you know it's going to be a little bit different different countries but here in the United States it's like you know, you go to school and you go to college and then, you know, you get a job and then you stay at that, you know, company for 30 years. And it's just, that's the story you've always die. been told. And then you <laughs> I feel die. like that exact, like, four sentences in a row has been, like, that should be the show bio instead of what we have. Because we've, a guest on nearly every episode has said that exact, you go, you know, we were told you go to school, you get a job, you have kids. Well, and it's like, and that's, like, what you're supposed to do. So you know, breaking that mindset and be like, okay, I've got my job. Like yeah. I'm not supposed to get rid of it. That's not what I'm supposed to do. It's like, that's, you know, an entire lifetime of, you know, whatever thoughts that are being ingrained in you that you have to get over. And it's, yeah. that's a tough thing. And it's like, it's not about trusting yourself. It's just, you know, it's just what you've grown up around. Yeah. And, and that's forcing the uncertainty too. I, I remember back in college, um, one day my parents were like, you know, Tuition and and rent is really expensive downtown. Maybe I mean we live in the suburbs. Just move home, and we won't have to pay for uh, you know living downtown. And within a week, I went from the potential of moving home to becoming an RA and finding free housing on the, <laughs> on campus yep. for two years. And of course, I find out a few like maybe a year ago, my mom was like, "Oh yeah, we never were actually going to follow through with that. You probably could have stayed in the apartment." <laughs> I was like, "Oh," but it ended up being this great experience and. One of the things is forcing that uncertainty made me try and find a way to make it work. Yep. And if you force uncertainty, you'll see your best qualities come to the surface. And like, I remember that that was the first interview I went on where I was just completely upfront honest. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm applying to be an RA freshman year. I got uh, reprimanded for drinking a lot. Uh, <laughs> is that going to be an issue <laughs> during this we interview? We work around this. Yeah, and, and my boss, was, my future boss, ended up being like, well, "I'm sure we could work around that." Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, I'm you sure did like the, like the Costanza. My name's George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. Will you go out with me? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. yeah actually. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing if you put yourself into a situation where you have to swim. How, how quickly you'll learn. Well, in all the most, 
okay, I take that back. Many of my most successful entrepreneurial friends do their best work when their back's up against the wall. And that, you know, is another actual issue that I've kind of, you know, started going through over the last couple of years is, you know, at first you're like, all right, I got to pay the bills. I got to make some money. So you hustle and you work hard, you do it. But, you know, then what happens when, you know, you are making enough money to support yourself and you've got enough money to do the things you want to do. Um, you know, then you have to find, you know, something else to support you. It's like, you're like, there's something else that kind of keeps you going because the uncertainty around money and all that stuff, you know, that's not there anymore. So, you know, I found so you have to create your own uncertainty. Is that what you you're have to, well, you have to create your own uncertainty, but you also have to figure out just kind of what, you know, what motivates you, what drives you, you know, first it's just the need to swim, but then, you know, you get to a point and you're like, okay, we've got to have something else more than just wanting to make money. I think that's where you start getting into, okay, what's my like life's work or, you know, going back to the idea of changing, your world and the world of the people around you, um, you know, that's not monetarily driven. You know, it might be at first, but over the long term, there's got to be, you know, a higher, you know, power, a higher reasoning for it. So, so where have you gotten to in your in your path here? What do you know what your internal motivation is? Well, and that's, I mean, it's a question that I've asked myself a lot because I've got to the point where I was like, okay, money isn't necessarily the motivation anymore. It's like, yeah, I still need to, you know, make some, but. Um, you know, that's where I kind of sat down and said, okay, I really enjoy these two things. I really enjoy the golf stuff. And more than that, I really enjoy helping other people, you know, kind of free themselves and get to a life that they're happy with. And so, you know, seeing the results and working with people and having the, the case studies and the testimonials and all that, that's where it's like, you know, anytime someone sends me an email, like, Hey, I just booked that one way ticket to Columbia that I've been wanting to do for my entire life. It's like, that makes it all worth it. So and it's like empowering others then is really exactly enjoy exactly it's like helping them you know achieve something they didn't necessarily think was possible um i think that's pretty cool that's really cool i um you mentioned martin the idea so with the ra story and getting thrust into that um i think what comes out of situations like that too is you realize and this helps you plan for that uncertainty is uh what like trans what what transferable traits or skills do i have that can help me in this arena that I've never touched before, right? So, like, you may have gone in, like, you went into RA ship, whatever, whatever you want to call it, RA hood, RA hood, resident advisor land. <laughs> um, but the transferable skill or the trait you brought to that was, I've been the drunk as hell freshman, so I know how to talk to the that drunk actually as hell freshman, ended up right? being the thing. Yeah, right. it was like I've been there because I ended up having to like appeal something, and because they <laughs> so what what it was was they uh, they had just instituted a three strikes or out policy, but only for my freshman year because uh, my brother w- was there a few years before me, and he had like seventeen strikes and like nothing bad ever yeah. happened. But like this year, they were like three strikes and you're out, and then the next year they got rid of it because every single person on campus got three strikes and it was, they were just in constant um advisory meetings Paul university like, needs that tuition money they can't <laughs> yeah. afford to keep kicking yeah. people out it's, well it was just out of housing not out of oh, okay and um so like it was just one of those things where i got up to the dean and he was like why are you in my office like th- this is the most unimportant thing that i have to deal with today and i was like all right and nothing bad happened and so um, but it is one of those things, and that was what I got to be able to bring to the table when um, I became an RA, because when people would come to me on the floor, they knew I was the person on the floor they could trust and talk to about things. Yeah. And so people came to me with like sexual sexual assault issues and like things like that, because they didn't feel like I was there to reprimand them. They yeah. felt like I was there to actually help. Absolutely. And, and I, then on top of that, like 
back to the chain reaction of the snowball effect mm-hmm. stuff too, right? That experience helps what we're doing with Idea Lemon for when we're talking to people we work with about like like asking those tough questions about yourself to really figure out like what do you want to build your brand around. Like you've had that experience from college of being able to like really get uh, really get into deep shit with people. Well, and if you think about it, like you said, the selfish piece. The first two years of college were all selfish. And then the last two years of college was, how do I help people? How do I make yeah. other people's lives not as shitty as mine freshman year? And that really was. It was like taking that time, the first two years, to be selfish, and then taking the second two years to learn how to help other people with that ability. Yeah. And then, I think on that note, too, like, like take this road trip, for example, right? We're two weeks in. I now know that I can live out of a this-size duffel bag. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Like, I love fashion and I love all the clothes that I own, but I do know that I can whittle it down to, like, four shirts and whatever it is, seven pairs of underwear. It's amazing that even though I have more clothes with me on this trip, you still dress more fashionably than I have. Yeah. <laughs> Martin's duffel bag is, like, the size of this table. Well, and it's when I moved to Thailand. I don't, do you guys know North Face Surge? No. So it's basically, like, a North Face day pack that's, like, okay. specifically for, like, a laptop or whatever. But it's basically a North Face day pack. And that was the only thing I took to Thailand. Oh my God. And I was there for, I ended up being there for like seven months. <laughs> so it's like, I had my laptop in there. I had a DSLR. I had like, you know, all my really clothes. Room for I gotta get it was like, <laughs> it was so tightly packed. And I realized it's like, I can live on yeah. very, very little. And now I've gone from like the exact opposite for it's like for two or three years, that's how I always traveled. And now I travel like, you know, with my golf clubs and then you've got to have a yeah. suitcase with your golf clothes. And then I still have my camera, my tripod and all this stuff. So it's just like. You know, I know I can do it. I just haven't had to do it in a yeah. while. <laughs> but, the, but the important thing, though, is that you actually did something once. And yeah. that allows you to do it a second time, third time. And then you, it can, removes also, the uncertainty. you can optimize from there however you need to. Exactly. It allows you to know, okay, I can do this. Do I always want to do this? Not necessarily. I mean, do you always want to travel with as few clothes you have right now? <laughs> no. Probably not. But you know you can if you need to. Exactly. Exactly. So this is probably one of the quickest hours I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> but we are, we are running up on our time. So before we wrap up, uh, what can you share with our audience, what you're working on, where can they find you? Yeah, so the easiest way to find me is at Location 180. It's seanogle.com, S-E-A-N-O-G-L-E. From there, you'll find our community, Location Rebel, uh, which is locationrebel.com, which is basically the Location 180s, all the the what and the why and all of that stuff, and then Location Rebel is the community where we teach you how to do it. Um, And if you're into golf, breaking80.com with 80 spelt out. You can follow along with my quest to travel the world and play a bunch of random golf courses. Now, before we wrap up, though, I also want to ask you uh, for a golf tip. Yeah. (laughs) I have an insanely incorrectable, well, I guess it could be corrected. I haven't figured out how. I slice all my drives. Yeah. What, what am I doing wrong? I I am the worst person to ask that because I do the same thing. <laughs> See, what you're doing wrong is you're aiming to where you want the ball to go. You have to aim no, right I've tried to the that. left. No, you don't understand. And then it slices so my, to where you need it to be. I'm telling you, I've even tried, like, so if my slice goes to the right, I've tried angling to the left. It just slices even more to the right. <laughs> so practice. Yeah. Well, that, or take a lesson. Caddyshack yeah. Shack 2 has a set of golf clubs that'll help you. Yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we won't correct the slice in this episode. I, I no wish I could out. help with that. With no clubs and no 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 demonstration of my swing, we cannot solve that. <laughs> we'll put a video of your swing online, and someone will help. Yeah. I've got a golf. <laughs> I've got a simulator we could hook up. Oh yeah. Last time I used right. it, I put a hole in the ceiling. So oh I don't I don't do that anymore. <laughs> 
All right, so then to wrap up, we'll go around. We'll start with Martin to me and then close with Sean. Um, let's give our answers based on what we talked about today to how do you plan for uh, uncertainty? How do you plan for the uncertainty? Uh, I'm going to keep mine pretty simple. Uh, figure out what things you're uncertain about and do them. And then you won't have uncertainty about whether or not you can do them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that. My answer is part um, know like your foundation first. So like what, what are the things you really care about? And then how do you build around that? And then from there, do something, whatever it is and understand how that one experience can influence something else you can do or prepare you better for the next uncertain thing that yeah. might come up. Um, my answer is simple. How do you plan for uncertainty? You don't. <laughs> you know, it's like you kind of say, it's like I can try and plan all I want. Things are going to work out different than you ever expect. And, you know, don't be stupid about it. Don't, you know, just quit your job with no plan or whatever. But it's like, you know, with your road trip, it's like, you know, you could plan all you wanted for the uncertainty that was going to happen or you could just experience it and by doing that you're going to have a much better result you're going to have more memories better stories meet more people and so on and so forth so that's my answer right on sean ogle thank you for joining us it's my pleasure thanks for having me guys all right all right that was our conversation with the one and only sean ogle sean thank you for joining us for that really dope conversation (laughs) there are just dishes that are just being dropped everywhere because we are in the restaurant in portland porque no eating tacos we got our extra bowl of chips here yum anyways back to the whole podcast thing sean thank you so much for joining us really cool conversation around planning for the unexpected like when you're talking and dishes get dropped in the background those of you guys you know you can follow us (laughs) i can't even talk anymore for those of you who are listening Remember, you can keep following along on our road trip. I haven't even had half a one. You can keep following along on our road trip at idealemon.com. Subscribe to our email newsletter there. We're talking about our experience as we go. And remember, on the social medias, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and... Periscope. Periscope. The username is at idealemon. We're showing photos, we're tweeting, and we're live broadcasting all the cool things that we're doing through Periscope. So check us out there. We've got more from Portland to share with you, so stay tuned for the next episode, and we'll see you on the open road. Take care, guys. Ciao.